Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10 step process. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. His guest is Ron Wills, president of CEO Focus, Maryland, D.C., and president and founder of the National Association of Business Owners and Entrepreneurs in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The title of the show is What Small Business Leaders Can Learn from Billion-Dollar Entrepreneurs. Over to you, John. Great. Well, Ron, appreciate you so much coming on. Pleasure to have you, and I know you're a busy, busy guy. Appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Why don't you tell the audience a bit about what you've been up to in the last several years? My background is I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, and coach and mentor to business leaders in the uh, Washington metropolitan region. I own several small companies, but the two that were mentioned earlier on the introduction are my main focus, and that's the National Association of Business Owners and Entrepreneurs, which we call NABO. And it's a non, uh, nonprofit supporting uh, business owners in the region. And CEO Focus, which is my coaching and mentoring program for small to mid-market business owners. Terrific. Based on the title, you know, what, what small businesses, and so many of them, I think there's 3 million of them in the, in the U.S., what their leaders can learn from the, uh, the entrepreneurs that have been so successful, you know, billion-dollar entrepreneurs, whether that's billion-dollar worth or billion-dollar in revenue. Have you dealt with some of these? How have you learned from them? What are, what are some of their names? The role that I have for NABO is I, I put together these monthly programs for the business community. And I've just had this amazing good fortune to have some of the most influential leaders in this marketplace. This year of loan, in the first four months, I've had four what I'm calling billion-dollar entrepreneurs. And to get into that rare club, you had to have founded a company that had at least a billion in revenue, or you sold a company for at least a billion, or finally, you are, your company has a market capitalization of a billion or greater. This is the top, the cream of the crop. And as I had this opportunity to work with these amazing entrepreneurs this year, each of them I explained to them about the audience, the small business owners, and what they could learn from these great business leaders. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities that each of these business owners went through the process of growing their companies from often very small companies, maybe one shop, to a nationwide business. And they all had very similar characteristics that the small business owner can learn from. Can you give some examples of some of who these guys are? Absolutely. Early on in the year, we had David Blair. He was the CEO of Catalyst and co-founder, which ended up selling for $4.8 billion. Nice. Next up in February, we had Scott Hoffpower, Broadsoft, 
uh, co-founder and CTO of Broadsoft, which sold for $1.9 billion. Seth Goldman, always an audience treat. He started oh, yeah. Honest Tea. He's currently chairman of Beyond Meats, which has a market cap of over $2 billion. And finally, just this current month, we had David Trone, who's now Congressman Trone. He built Total Wines and More to, a, to annual revenues of $4 billion. Amazing individuals. Here are the secrets that came from all these different discussions. And I boiled it down, if I could here, to four major focuses that they talked about. First of all, they focus on working on their business rather than in their business. It's in one of the things that I've learned working with small businesses going on 30 years now is that just spending a little bit of time each month working on your business rather than working in it can have a huge impact to the success of your company. So these people focus on working on the business, making the business better, not being sucked in and doing the daily work of the business. And to do that, the second lesson was that they had a plan and they worked their plan. Every one of them going into the business. In fact, David Trone, when he was in the Wharton School, had put together the business plan for Total Wines and More. And he started that business as he was finishing his last year at Wharton. And he kept up with that plan and he built the first couple of stores and it grew and it grew and it grew. Thirdly, they focused on eight fundamental components of a business. And I'm just going to read these off quickly because it's a, it's a lot, but they focused yeah. on the mission, vision, and brand. Number one, number two, focus on their customers. What do they want? Who are they? How do we get to them? How do we sell to them? They focus on their employees. How do the employees work with their customers, with their products, their services? They had extensive plans for internal and external communications, systems and processes, financial management, and something, John, that is near and dear to your heart, sales management, and finally, innovation management. They built in innovation in their company so that it was a part of the day-to-day -day planning and functioning of the company. And then finally, number four, as they grow or as they grew, they faced multiple crises where they had to change. They had to change themselves and they had to change their staff. So what worked as a startup doesn't work when you're a couple of million in revenue. And that doesn't work when you're five to 10 million in revenue, 10 to 50 million in revenue and so forth. So at each stage of their growth, they were prepared to change. And many times they had to replace existing staff to get to that next level. So those are the four really, really good lessons that we all learned from hearing these terrific entrepreneurs. Well, that's great. And um, I can comment on a couple of those eight principles. I took a course at MIT once, it was a three-day course. And I came away from it with three things I really needed to, to pay attention to. It was, it was quite a while ago. So it was, the first one was don't get behind in e-commerce. The second was 
all businesses get in trouble if they don't concentrate on two things consistently. One is one of the men, ones you mentioned, communications, internal and external. And the second was focus, which kind of gets back to your vision, mission, branding. Absolutely. Those are the three things I took away from that MIT course. And I, I know you know, since I'm a sales guy, that I believe in what the late great Zig Ziglar used to tell us, no sales, no company. Yeah, no sales, no business. No, no business, exactly. And then one interesting thing about innovation is this. You know, I have been around for a long time. I've actually been through six different recessions. There was the wage price control from, from Nixon with the, with the OPEC embargo and Arab-Israeli war. Then there was the Iran embargo where Jimmy Carter's interest rates were sky high. Then the savings and loan crisis, then the dot-com bust plus 9-11, and the financial mortgage crisis 10 years ago, and now the coronavirus. And what I learned from most of those recessions was it's a great time to be innovative and go back and take a look at all of your processes and see what you can improve. And so that's essentially what I focused on over many, many years in these crises, including the one, one we're in. And then, of course, the one we're in has a little bit different than all the rest in that we're all at home. Yeah. <laughs> so you can expect America 2.0 coming out of this is going to be a lot different than 1.0. So all of these entrepreneurs that you're talking about, I am sure, have focused on how can you innovate? How can you change the processes? So I love those eight, those eight points. John, it's time to take a quick commercial break. And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right, natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 Nine nine four one, and now back to our show. We've been speaking with Ron Wills about what small business owners can learn from billion-dollar entrepreneurs. Now back to John and Ron. So, Ron, you mentioned um, what David Trone did, which is great, and I'm in the same area you're in here in D.C. And those Total Wines are great stores. I, I have to say, could you say a bit about? Beyond Meats, Catalyst, and Broadsoft, perhaps just the big picture of what they did and, and how they grew? Let's pick a one good story from them. Let's go to David Blair, because he had just this wonderful story of, at Catalyst. He came into that company. They hired him in its infancy as a CEO. When he was hired, they told him that they're bringing him in to wrap up the company and close it. <laughs> so oh. David, being the guy that he is, looked at their business model, their business plan. And we had just talked before we went to break about innovation and how critically important it is. He looked at their business model 
and understood that it wasn't a working model. And he innovated that model. And they were able to go out, receive a capital infusion, and that became the growth catalyst for the company. The lesson learned out of that was by having the plan, even though they rejected the plan or he rejected the plan, having the plan clarified where the company was by understanding that plan, David was able to innovate with a new plan, taking some of the benefits of the old, but innovate with a new plan, change the direction of the company, go out and get extra capital and began this growth process, which resulted in just under a $5 billion sales price. That's a great story. How about Scott? Same type of story or from Broadsoft? Scott is an amazing entrepreneur. He was co-founder of Broadsoft and they really had a much smoother ride. They had the right product at the right time. But, you know, again, innovation. And, and when we look back about having that right product at the right time, well, they had to look at the market and they had to figure out where they could enter the market with their products and services, which are basically communication services, telephonics and so forth. And they made a couple of bets on where the market was going and they hit big in that. And it, it, it's really a story of entrepreneurs knowing where they want to take their company, but looking at the marketplace and saying, wait a minute, we see an opening here. We think we can exploit that opening. And they just simply pass by other companies that were trying to compete in that marketplace. So that was innovation, but also really understanding the marketplace, understanding their customers. It's an old saying I learned a long time ago. It was like a revolutionary new concept. Listen to the customer. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And how how many small business owners make a product or provide a service and they stick with that product or service no matter what their customers are telling them. (laughs) Yeah, you've really got to get that feedback. You've got to talk to your customers. When I say small business, let's say businesses from one to 10 million in revenue. At that level, the CEO should have contact with their customer base, at least their biggest customers, and get feedback from those customers. And I know you're big on this in your in your your sales presentations and your sales knowledge is that you've got to know what your clients are thinking so that you can provide the best service and products and services for them. So let's shift uh, subjects for just a second to your coaching. So we've been really talking about the NABO. And now I know you run these small groups, uh, CEO Focus, of about 10 to 15 CEOs. And I'm a firm believer that everybody uh, needs a coach. I've got one, had one almost my whole life, one way or the other. So what is, uh, in your view, uh, what's the value of coaching for CEOs? My target is what I just mentioned. Are CEOs of companies in roughly that 1 million to 10 million revenue? And I don't know if this is a mistake or is this a natural outcome of running a small business, but what I hear over and over again is being a business owner is a lonely job. 
You can't talk to your family or friends because they don't have the business acumen often, right? You don't want to share certain things with your staff, your employees. You know, it's too sensitive. You can't do that. And then in many cases, they can't talk to their partners if they have partners. And and a lot of times the partner is the problem. So (laughs) what these small business owners do is end up making decisions in a vacuum without the aid of support, without the aid of a group. And so what I do with the coaching and mentoring is coaching is not telling somebody what to do. It's not consulting. It's mutual development. It's me working with the business owners to achieve their goals. And what we talked about, we get these business owners to start focusing on working on the business. Every month, if it's just a couple of hours a month, the power of working on your company for two, three, four, five hours a month over a period of just six months to eight months, you start to see change in these companies. You start to see revenue growth. You start to see control of these eight areas that I mentioned earlier. They're really a fundamental understanding of their business and how to run it more effectively. It's just spending the time going over these key business, you know, the things that we just talked about today, what these amazing entrepreneurs have done, the small business owner can emulate that and can do those things. But it's nice to have someone, a group of other CEOs that share their biggest challenges. They share their expectations for their company. And, you know, one of the nicest things of all, if you bring eight to 10 to 12 business owners together, and it's my day to kind of share my business, I guarantee you my big problem may be in staffing or maybe in financial management. I guarantee you two, three, four others in that room have gone through that same experience and have learned and they can share their learning experience with you. It is incredibly powerful. I totally agree. In fact, I've been a member over many, many years of several of the peer groups. I found it so powerful because, as you said, when you've got like-minded CEOs, they just give you, they give it to you straight because you can have a board of directors and since you're paying them, they could give you colored advice. The employees, if you share too much, they know you can fire them. But when you have like-minded CEOs in a group with a great facilitator like you are, and you get this unvarnished, right-to-the-point advice, so valuable. I know we have a very short period of time today, but the stories that come out of these groups are absolutely amazing. I had one gentleman had been in, I don't know, six to eight months, you know, so relatively new to the group. He told me during our one-on-one, which I I meet every month with him one-on-one, he told me during the one-on-one for the first time in 10 years, he's enjoying coming to work. And he's learned so much from the other CEOs in the group. And now he's become one of the top individuals to share and provide advice to others. It's a kind of a growth plan for these people. It's life changing. And at the end of the day, my goal for these people is that they make more money. They have a much easier job of managing their company. And at some point when they want to retire, 
we say don't retire, half retire. Have your company continue to operate at high efficiency with you working one day a week, one day every two weeks if you want. The goal is to get that company operating like catalysts of David Blair's catalyst or Scott Hoffpire's Broadsoft or you know David Trone's Total Wine and more. David Trone walked away from his company as a congressman. He got voted in as a congressman. That company is doing fantastic because he's built up the infrastructure. He's done everything that he needs to do to make sure that he can walk away. He'll have that company for the rest of his life supporting him, but he can now pursue his other goals in life. That's the ultimate step that we want our employees to take. When they get to that level, there's a moment in the room when you mention that somebody has now moved to the point where their company runs by itself and they can go out and do what they want to do, buy other companies, maybe go on vacations for six months of the year, but <laughs> keep that. Boy, it's, right. it's the happiest moment in the room. So yeah, it's fun and it's powerful. That probably means they did a great job of hiring the team. Absolutely. John, it's yes, time Dave. for the wrap-up. Okay, Ron, the time went by so quickly. Thanks so much. Many of the people listening are walking the dog or uh, driving and probably can't take many notes. So can you leave people, the business owners and the entrepreneurs and people thinking about starting businesses, maybe three or four of just kind of main points? Well, you know, I, I think we, we've talked about the one key is, is, is having a plan working that plan and then getting feedback to that plan as an ongoing process. And I think that's, that may be the biggest lesson to learn from these entrepreneurs that I had the great fortune to work with this year and so many more. All right, great. Well, that one single point is, uh, is, just, is just terrific. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower talked about the importance of a plan. As I'm sure you know, the Supreme Allied Commander in, uh, in World War II. So, Ron, if there are business owners who would be interested in either NABO or the CEO Focus uh, groups, how can they get a hold of you? The easiest way you can go to NABO, N-A-B-O-E dot O-R-G. Plenty of ways to get in touch with me there, set up an appointment and just really see what we do and see these great entrepreneurs that I get a, the great fortune to work with. Or they could email me at ronwills at nabo.org. All right. It's been great, Ron, as always, talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you, John and Ron. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense, right here in the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you.